You're listening to Bose Podcast, the official podcast of Bose Cavern, Ottawa's premier upscale drinking society. Now here are your hosts, Matt and Taylor. Welcome to Bose Podcast, a show where friends mix drinks, talk Simpsons, and celebrate the greatest game ever played, which is, of course, Beer League Softball. My name is Taylor Mitchell, and this is my always enduring co-host, Team MVP, Matt LaFrance. Matt, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thank you, Taylor. I do have a little point of contention about you baseball or beer league softball being the greatest sport ever but Wait on me i'm not a baseball person I have a confession to make before we get into baseball that uh, i'm not really a baseball fan i'm a hockey fan you're hockey f- okay i was just gonna ask your sport of choice i'm a very stereotypical canadian and i'm gonna say something that's gonna be widely disputed which is that <laughs> i find hockey to be really boring which is of course fun because everyone says baseball is the slowest paced and most boring game ever <laughs> I was just thinking of uh, the episode of The Simpsons Duffless where Homer has to give up beer and he's sitting at a a baseball game and without beer, he's like, I never realized how boring this game is. I'm kind of of the same mind. (laughs) I mean, fair enough to each their own. But we're joined as well by our clutch hitting producer, Kevin Ballantyne. Kevin, how's it going? Uh, It's going all right. What about you? Where do you stand on baseball? Uh, I love to go to the game, but I find it boring to watch on TV. Okay, so you're kind of just happier sitting in the stands, having a yeah, hot dog, having yeah. a beer, enjoying okay. my time, you know, with the, and with a good friend, you know. I can respect it's that. It's a good game, yeah. It's a good, good way to spend a day. Yeah. Back to my total ignorance of the game. I have no idea what you mean by the clutch. <laughs> it means he comes up, he comes through in the clutch. Okay, you know, uh, and Kevin, you know, that's he's, right. He is our producer, and he he always comes through for us when we need him. Clutch hitting. I'll go with that. Sure. Thank you. So I'd like to set the scene if I could. The day was February 20th, 1992. The score was tied in the bottom of the ninth with two outs and bases loaded. Homer Simpson pinch hit for Daryl Strawberry, leading the Springfield Nuclear Power Plant softball team to victory over Shelbyville in the title game. And I think we can all agree it was one of the more memorable sports moments of the 90s. I'd say so. (laughs) Yeah, actually, I think this is probably one of the most memorable episodes of the simpsons this seems to show up frequently in people's like top 10 list of best episodes ever so. yeah, yeah. I, I didn't realize this i was reading a little bit about it and it seems like it was a bit of a i don't know if the word is contentious but polarizing uh people have different views and a lot of a lot of people it turns out didn't really care for this episode um i can't remember who it was but one what you know one simpsons commentator called it the weakest episode of season three really yeah because it, it's definitely top five for me uh, um, i hope he was fired after that <laughs> i hope it was fired for that blunder we are, of course, talking about Homer at the Bat today, season three, episode 16. And in this episode, Homer becomes the star of the Power Plants Beer League softball team with the help of his homemade Wonder Bat. But when Mr. Burns makes a million dollar bet on the championship game, he brings in nine major league ringers and puts Homer on the bench. Tragic. I'm pretty excited for this one, though, because I am, of course, a huge baseball fan. Matt, where do you stand on baseball? You you said you're more of a hockey man. So I am not a baseball fan. I do find the sport very boring. Um, I do prefer the pace of hockey over baseball. However, I love this episode. Um, Looking back, um, I think it's amazing that they were actually able to put this episode together. Because if you look at the previous episodes of The Simpsons prior to this one, uh, you know, they had like, you know, one relatively famous guest star in that, you know, to bring in nine all-star baseball players for one episode was just an amazing undertaking. Mm-hmm. And it, it's, it's, it's really incredible that they succeeded in, in bringing this and making the episode work. So, you know, wherever you stand on baseball, I think this is just overall an enjoyable episode. Although I have to say... It starts out the episode one particular way. You think it's going to just be a total underdog story. You know, here are 
the nuclear power softball team players. And thanks to Homer's uh, Wonder Bat, they're uh, you know headed for the championships. But then quickly, Act Two, it you know veers into an all-star cast of major league baseball players. And yeah, absolutely. So I, this is one of the earliest episodes that actually has celebrities coming in to appear as themselves. Um, mm-hmm. I, I can think of to- the episode with Tony Bennett was earlier, but um, I mean, they so, had like some uh, of the earlier ones didn't use their name, like Dust, uh, Dustin mm-hmm. Hoffman or Michael Jackson or Michael Jackson. <laughs> yeah. But you can tell it's them. <laughs> they had uh, Albert Brooks and John Lovitz. Right. Yeah. But not portraying themselves. No. Not portraying themselves. No. And as it, as it turns out, this episode actually took quite a while to produce just because the animators were not used to animating around real people. Uh, the way they, you know, so easily Simpsonize people nowadays. Uh, they, that was something that we're still getting used to back in the early 90s. I think that uh, we did not see this many guest stars in an episode of The Simpsons until maybe Homer Palooza. I yeah. think between this and, you know, I, I think that's how long until they had like that many special guests appearing all in yeah, one episode. I mean, they, they considered that like having Aerosmith was a big thing. But I guess it is just one band as opposed to getting separate you know, people in sort of. Yeah. And then so all the nine different players, uh, they recorded their parts over the course of several months. Basically, whenever they were in town, um, the producers had to work around their game schedule. So they would record whenever they were in L.A. to play the Dodgers or the Angels. They would show up and do their their quick takes because yeah. I don't think any of them had to record for that long. None of them really has that much dialogue. But it was uh, an episode that was quite a while in the making. Yeah, and I think uh, they didn't get all the players that they originally were seeking out. Yeah, that's correct. I remember, I think Ryan Sandberg was one that they really wanted but didn't get. And that's how they ended up with some players that really weren't, I mean, anybody that plays in the major league is good. (laughs) But they they weren't necessarily, uh, you know, Hall of Famers. I think I remember reading that they got Ozzie Smith, who's the first one to agree to it. And after that, a lot of the other players kind of fell in line there and joined on. Yeah, exactly. Hall of Famer, Ozzy Smith. And this episode, it actually reminds me a little bit of, you know, our conversation that we had uh, when we were talking about Homer's Barbershop Quartet, because there are a lot of references that might sneak under the radar a little bit for somebody that uh, doesn't follow baseball. Um, just the way that Homer's Barbershop Quartet featured a lot of references to the Beatles. So mm-hmm. I'm excited to get into that. So, of course, uh, no Bose podcast is complete without a Simpsons beverage. And today we're all enjoying a cool, refreshing glass of turnip juice. Just kidding. We are, in fact, drinking Ken Griffey Jr.'s Nerve Tonic. It's like there's a party in my mouth and everyone's invited. Our resident mixologist, Adam, is here. Adam, welcome. Hello. I uh, heard you doing a podcast. I was uh, passing by and <laughs> I ran right in. Welcome. I, do, I didn't even have time to who, take off my boots. So. Who, who let you in? Who let you in? <laughs> Door was unlocked. Oh, okay. So I got to lock that door. Very much like uh, Johnny D, you forgot to lock it. Oh, okay. <laughs> I, heard, I heard Bo's podcast, and so I, <laughs> I, I I, ran. I had a hustle going you, the whole time. You hear the podcast going on, and you're here. You know, it's, it's yeah. like a bat signal. And I made it just in time, just before you introduced me. Isn't that like kismet? Oh, it's beautiful. How serendipitous. Mm-hmm. Well, Adam, we're glad to have you here. How are you doing? Well, mm-hmm. Tell us yeah. more about Ken Griffey Jr.'s Nerve Tonic. Oh, was I supposed to remember that drink? That was a long time ago. You're supposed to remember all the drinks you made. They're like your children. <laughs> That's <laughs> yeah. very accurate. But as we know, as all parents know, I mean, you have your favorites. Is that true? You're not allowed to admit that. <laughs> okay. Oh, so I'm, I'm not allowed to Can I, can I, can I, I to ask an open it. question to the parents of the group, of which there is one? <laughs> 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 um, so, who's your favorite kid? No. 
<laughs> Do you remember drinking it? It was a long time ago. I remember. I, drink- you- I remember drinking it the first time. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So it was. It was a good drink. Yeah. I remember. It was fun to make. Well, they're all fun to make, but uh, had a good flavor to it. I did. Yeah, this was a shot, right? You don't have many shots. No, I don't. Uh, because, you know, when you're doing like mixed drinks, you know, if you have a lot of ingredients, it's like, well, usually then you want you want to have a bit more room than a shot glass. So, uh, you know, I did it before. It was cool. I did my own research. So, uh, <laughs> you know, for all you podcasters there, I know that's the common craze. Well, I was doing it well before the podcast. Because I actually tried to make it. I was like, well, wait, it's supposed to help your brain and nerves. So I, I did look. I'm like, what would help your nervous system? And uh, we did actually find some alcoholic beverages that were supposed to help your uh, your memory and your nerves. And what ultimately ended up in there? Yeah, because champagne, it improves your memory. Uh, I'm like, hey, yeah, I'll take it. I don't know why, but... <laughs> I was just going to ask, that, that is not something that I would have expected. I mean, I remember when I took that home winemaking course and I forgot how to drive. Yeah, exactly. Well, <laughs> you should have taken a homemade champagne making course, I guess. <laughs> Probably bungled. I'm sure they can come up with that. That better. course is only offered in the Champagne region of France. <laughs> <laughs> That's take, true. You have to take the sparkling wine yeah. class. And apparently, um, yeah, rum helps with serotonin levels, which uh, would, uh, serotonin will help, uh, you know, calm you down, keep you more uh, steady, more focused. So I'm like, yeah, again, I'll take it if this. uh In other words, rum makes you sleepy. (laughs) (laughs) Makes me sleepy. Not sleepy, but less nervous. Reduces inhibitions. If you drink enough of any alcohol, it'll make you sleepy, I think. I don't know that that's something I'd want to have before a baseball game. Well... I think you're only speaking one shot, as Ken Griffey Jr. Uh, showed us. Um, you shouldn't overdose, you know. Okay, well, maybe yourself. not. Maybe not before the game. How about you know after the game, after your team wins? Yeah, right? celebratory shot. Champagne, rum. You know, once after the Jays win, right? Heck yes. You, you forgot to mention that you're a Jays fan here. I am a Jays fan. Wait, yeah. you're a we'll, Jays fan? We'll, we'll get into that. Okay. I got the got the got the. Sorry Jays hat. if I'm I'm jumping ahead. Rocking the Jays hat right now. <laughs> I don't think drinking is recommended when you're playing any <laughs> professional sport, except well, for bowling. Bowling's the exception the to that it's, rule. I was going to say, it's certainly acceptable during beer league softball. I got to chug a beer. And I, there's definitely a photo of me somewhere playing second base while holding a beer with my non-glove hand. And by second base, of course, you're referring to baseball, yes? I am referring to baseball. <laughs> Thank you, Matt, for, for that clarification. Now, Taylor, I didn't understand why it was important for uh, Mr. Burns to somehow have them improve their brain. Like, would you say it requires a lot of, like, uh, you know, mental thinking when playing baseball? Is it very cerebral, the sport? I think, uh, yeah, absolutely. I, 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 I think baseball is definitely a mental game. And I think that all sports are to some extent. But I think that, you know, the act of hitting a baseball, you can absolutely get into your own head. And there's just there's been so many instances where a player was struggling and then, you know, through the help of a, a sports psychologist ended up going on a tear where they got really hot and were, you know, hitting the skin off the ball. So absolutely. I think you can totally get inside your own head and just sabotage yourself. So, Taylor, what you're saying is that uh, my drink may save uh, Major League Baseball millions of dollars in therapy costs. You know, there's only one way to find out. I think we gotta we gotta get this idea where it needs to be heard. Well, is there? Can we like phone baseball? Do they have a number? Phone, phone baseball. Phone baseball. <laughs> yeah. phone, phone there, baseball. Yeah. Can we? Do they have like a maybe a hotline or a, like a one eight hundred number? Yeah. I don't know. You'll have to you'll have to go looking for it. and Let me know. That okay, would be an I'll... interesting phone conversation. Hello, baseball. Yeah. <laughs> 
Are you I, in, I in charge I, of baseball? If anybody knew where to get some tang, it'd be you. <laughs> <laughs> so also, again, this is a podcast. So um, like uh, everyone's doing now on podcasts, you know, do your own research. I, that's what I, that's what you're recommending. Absolutely. Yeah. Good, I'll, advice, good advice for all of us. I'll do re- your own research. Do your own research. I'll find out who's in charge of baseball. And, uh, that's right. I know. I know. You know. I know the game of baseball, but I, I definitely don't know how to get it on the phone. We've learned from all conspiracy theories, there's always someone in charge of everything. There's yes. always someone pulling the strings, no matter how mundane or simple it may be in your life. So you're saying we have to find the they? Call Rob, they, call Rob Manfred. I don't know. It's, actually, they did a conspiracy theory episode about Major League Baseball on The Simpsons, if you remember when uh, Bart was on Focusin'. So, oh, that's right. Yeah. Brother's little helper. Yeah, yeah. So, true. Uh, there you go. So, do you, you want to hear like, the terrifying truth, or would you rather see me hit some dingers? Dingers, dingers. <laughs> and so, as we, you think, you know, see, even baseball isn't immune to conspiracy theorists these days. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, if I get back to the drink, and uh, remember the last ingredient, blueberries, and why? Because antioxidants. And that's I figure, right. hey, who couldn't use more antioxidants? Because we all have free radicals moving around in our body. That's true. We have to neutralize them. Now, have there been any documented cases of gigantism? From the drink? Yes. Oh, yeah. That's the thing. We're like kind of looking like, is there anything that could cause um, gigantism? And uh, yeah, it's um, couldn't really find anything that you could drink that would cause gigantism. It seems to be genetic. Okay. I was going to say, you know, maybe it depends on the blueberries. Like if you have GMO <laughs> there blueberries. Because usually it's a so hormone. Do you? remember that scene in Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory when Violet Beauregard turns into a blueberry I was terrified of that when I was a child and I wasn't allowed to watch that part of the movie anymore because I would scream bloody murder anyway I'm sorry I had to <laughs> had to get that off my chest <laughs> blueberries gigantism well you know uh, it fits uh, uh, these podcasts can also be therapy as well you know, exactly so. So uh, what happens is there, um, with gigantes, well, there is that condition, and usually what happens is, because as you grow, like, you have growth hormones, and they help elongate your bones, the problem is, like, after, at a certain point, your bones, they fuse, so they don't grow, but if you do have, like, a hormone imbalance, then you have, like, say, your jaw is one that uh, will expand, and uh, so they did kind of, it, they were accurate with the Ken Griffey and his grotesquely swollen jaw. If you do have an excess of growth hormones, you will get a, a large jaw, but you will not get taller as an adult because you've already passed that stage. Oh, boy. And so it's like, yeah, I guess there was um, technically in fruit, there are like, you know, um, you know, it can help, you know, with hormones and that, but it seemed very, very unlikely it would cause gigantism. <laughs> so okay. I feel like even if you do drink more... I'm. I may I wouldn't say drink in excess because uh, alcoholism is still a problem, but you at least you shouldn't get gigantism. And based on our sample size here at Bose Cavern, I, I think we've all consumed it and are still roughly the same size we were back. I, I'd say so. No, I think I'm shorter. Uh, I, 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 I think, think after I, I don't COVID, know. is uh, gigantism is that uh, waist size? Does, does that apply there? You forgot about COVID. You know, if there is. A certain growth, I think it's more COVID. That's blame. right. I did forget about COVID. I believe when uh, we first drank Ken Griffey Jr.'s Nerve Tonic, Brain and Nerve Tonic, that was right around the time of the 2019 World Series, which would be right in the last few months leading up to COVID. So, yes. Yeah, before we COVID. Evolved, feels have, like 100 years ago. It does feel like about 100 years ago. Okay. Well, thanks, Adam, for sharing that with us. So, as I mentioned, there are a lot of great baseball in-jokes in this episode. Uh, and a lot of them had to do with how the 
players were portrayed and some of the situations they got themselves into. So, for instance, um, you know, Ozzy Smith was known to be a really uh, snappy dresser. And so they put him in that loud Hawaiian shirt. They put him in the black socks with shorts. Never wear black socks with sandals. I just, I'm just putting that out there in oh, the podcast world. Never, absolutely. Never. I was I was once running for a bus and I saw somebody that was wearing socks with sandals and I almost missed the bus because I was judging him so hard. So Matt, does that mean there are certain types of socks you can wear with sandals? <laughs> okay. So I know you like to say how anytime I've caught you wearing socks with sandals, how the Romans did it. <laughs> That's not an excuse. <laughs> Also, the we, Romans did a lot of things, okay? They fed people to lions. Yeah, okay? I was, was going to say, I'm not sure we should be trying to emulate the Romans. <laughs> Unless yeah. you're in Rome. Unless you're in Rome. When in Rome. Exactly. Bart and Lisa taunted Daryl Strawberry. Daryl. 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 And <laughs> this is, of course, you know, Bit of bit of mean jeering, but it, he's a professional athlete. It rolls right off his back. But uh, that was a reference to the 1986 World Series, where Daryl Strawberry, who's of course an outfielder with the Mets, was taunted by Red Sox fans <laughs> the exact same way. Oh. Poor guy, right? Oh, that's too bad. <laughs> you know what's interesting about looking at this episode because it aired in '92, so here we are, 30 years later. I mean, all these players—they were at the height of their careers when this episode was made, and. Now they're all retired. Yeah. Kind of interesting to do the retrospective look back. Totally. I remember when I was, you know, back in the late 90s, I remember watching um, Jose Canseco and Roger Clemens, who were both Blue Jays for a while. I'm, of course, a Blue Jays fan. So I got to root for both of those players, um, you know, as part of my my home team. Um, and it, I, that really cracked me up <laughs> when, I, uh, when I looked back on this episode and, and kind of you know, the, the juxtaposition between the way that those players were portrayed in the in on the Simpsons versus how they actually acted and, and were on the mound and, and on the field. So yeah, your point your point's well taken. It's interesting to see how it's it's like a snapshot in time of these, you know, players that had these lengthy careers. I'm just wondering you're saying how you're a Blue Jays fan. Uh, you were a Blue Jays fan when you were, you know, obviously uh, much younger. When when did you become a Blues Jays fan? I don't know, maybe birth or shortly after. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, um, and it was it purely a, let's say, geographical thing. The fact that you know you you resided you know near Toronto there that that you became a Toronto Blue Jays fan, or was there something else to it? You know, I think there, there's definitely uh, there's definitely the geographical component, but at the same time that I was a huge Blue Jays fan, I was a huge Chicago Bulls fan. So it wasn't well, Michael Jordan. Come yes, on. exactly. So it wasn't uh, it wasn't just, just geography there. Everyone was a Bulls fan back then. <laughs> I like to think that I inherited my uh, my Blue Jays uh, my Blue Jays pedigree from my grandfather, who has been a proud fan since 1977 when the team was first established. Hmm. And uh, yeah, I, I always grew up watching games with him. He would come over um, every Tuesday and Thursday night and, uh, you know, spend time with us. And often that would end up with putting on the baseball game. And I always just really enjoyed those times. And then, you know, as I got older, that was something special that I shared with him. And I always liked playing softball as well. So I played fast pitch and I played uh, right through high school. I played on my high school team. So it was just always something that I kind of shared with him. And uh, that's really sweet. Yeah. And yeah, it's that's it's touching. It's something that I, I just kind of have always continued on with. Even now, my grandfather's still alive. He's 96 years old. And, you know, 
when I get to spend time with him, because we don't live in the same city anymore, um, it's nice to just put on a baseball game. And because uh, it, it's he's he's um, got Alzheimer's, but he, it's something that he can kind of put on and, and know and enjoy. So it, it's meaningful in that way as well. But um, another thing that I've always really liked about baseball is kind of the, the statistical side of it. And, you know, so, something that you and I have, haven't really talked about on this uh, on this show, Matt, is that we something we have in common is that we're both economists and we both enjoy numbers. I've always found baseball statistics to be a bit baffling it's 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 i've never quite wrapped my uh, brain around it that's totally fair but at the same time it really is the same as anything else in principle you try to identify which of those statistics generate the most value and you try to exploit the market that way i will say i quite enjoyed the book moneyball by michael lewis and you know the 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 film adaptation where it is all about baseball statistics in terms of rebuilding the um, oakland days Mm-hmm. That's probably the extent to my uh, experience with baseball statistics. I love Moneyball. It's like a great baseball book for people that aren't into baseball. But uh, I, I have always said that baseball is the perfect game for an economist, just because it is so numbers focused and it is so generated on statistical trends and patterns and uh, and the idea of maximization and, and optimization. In any event, it's a very good time to be a Blue Jays fan. So I encourage everybody to get on the bandwagon. I think it's going to be a really good 2022. Yeah, I was going to say, because, we'll you know, how uh, I, I'm a hockey fan. Uh, unfortunately, I guess it's a bit of a geographical component too. I'm an Ottawa Senators fan. It is not a good time to be an Ottawa Senators fan. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, we, we talked about the episode before where the, the Simpsons go to Canada, Doe Canada. And that scene where they declare Lisa a uh, political refugee and they give her sanctuary in Canada where she will be assigned her own hockey team. And she's like, please not Ottawa. Please let Ottawa. And, and the, the, the Mountains there's like, oh, geez, I'm sorry. And puts the Ottawa Senators cap on. I died a little inside. Like, Just a little part of you. Yeah, I, I can understand. I, I, I will, you know, focus and root for the, the Jays here because, you know, at least, you know, they have a chance. Yes, absolutely. Yes. You know, well, the, actually, is the strike over or the lockout the, or yes, whatever? Yes, the, the lockout is over. So, um, you know, for those that don't know, there was a kind of a lengthy lockout that began in November, and it lasted up until about, I guess, about three weeks ago now. Uh, but it was a dispute between the players' union and the commissioner and the, the owners that he represents. And it was really kind of a watershed moment. It was the first time that, um, you know, games were slated to be missed since the last Major League Baseball work stoppage in 1994. But as it stands right now, spring training's underway. The season's going to start a little bit late. But as it turns out, no games will actually be missed. They will play a full 162-game season. Okay, because, I mean, I still remember for the NHL, what was the last lockout in 2012, where I guess we lost... uh... I'm trying to remember. I think about 30 games in the season. And then before that, uh, the big lockout in 2004 where we lost the entire season. So you, you MLB people, you, you've been uh, pretty lucky, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. It's better unless, to be a baseball fan than a hockey fan, I think, in terms of uh, work stoppages. Unless you're a Montreal Expos fan. They were supposed to win the series in, in 1994. <laughs> they, they really lost their chance that year. What is the difference between baseball and softball? Uh, there's a few things. Uh, they, they're played with different types of balls. So yeah. a softball is larger and softer. Um, Doesn't feel all that. But, <laughs> yeah. um, but they, they move a little bit differently when you throw them. Oh, yeah. So a softball game is seven innings, whereas a baseball game is nine. Um, and the most important difference is that softball is like a pitch is thrown underhand. 
Yeah. So there, there's really you're, you're not really trying to strike anybody out. And every league that I've played in, um, it's it's like a three pitch. So you know, even if it's a, a ball or a strike, you're still swinging at it. You're still trying to hit it. So. So I mean, because he's bringing in major league players here so i don't know be bringing in like roger clemens and he, like yeah, under pitch there yeah. he brings in roger clemens to to throw the heat which is is totally counter to any league that i have played in um it, in fact when it's when it's casual when it's beer league most teams actually pitch to themselves okay thank you for that so does that mean when uh homer's bad if you remember it was um sort of burnt in half yeah it was from the fast pitch there so was that breaking the rules i did not seem like yeah, a... Yeah, it, it, it wouldn't be kosher in uh, any softball league, I've, any softball game I've played in or, or seen. But that was okay because it happened during training. Mm. That's true. It did happen True, it did happen during training. But unfortunately, it was the end of Wonderbat. That's also true. Also true. As, yeah, sad, a sad moment for sad. us all. It was very sad. <laughs> but Homer didn't need Wonderbat to win the championship game. It's true. That's true. Game-winning RBI. There's a lot of truth here. That's <laughs> <laughs> what we're here for. That's we're here right. For, we're here we're for here truth. We're here for the truth. We want the truth, damn it. We want the truth. You can't you handle can't. the truth. <laughs> um, you know, another moment in the episode, of course, is where Don Mattingly gets in trouble with Mr. Burns because of his quote unquote sideburns and eventually gets thrown off the team for not getting rid of them. Um, and as he walks away, he mutters that he still likes Mr. Burns better than Steinbrenner. And of course, that's a reference to Yankees owner George Steinbrenner, who instituted a rule in 1973 that all Yankees players need to be clean shaven and have short hair. It is part of their official appearance policy, um, which is still enforced today. Oh. Um, yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. It's, it's always a bit of a shock if a player, you know, signs with the Yankees or gets traded to the Yankees and then all of a sudden they're, they're clean shaven. Um, but in fact, one player was actually traded to the Yankees and had to cut off his dreadlocks. He was oh. given four, Played appearances, so about the equivalent of one game, and then he was released <laughs> from the team. Wow. So, so I was going to say, I remember this. Yeah, manager Stump Merrill, and this was back in August uh, 1991, I believe, that uh, Mattingly got benched. But the episode was recorded before that happened. It wasn't, this was based on the episode, right? Yeah, exactly. So, so yeah, uh, so famously, Don Mattingly ran afoul of the appearance policy in, uh, in 1991 when he refused to cut his hair and was subsequently benched by George Steinbrenner. Um, and it, it blew up into something of a media controversy. Um, and a lot of fans, you know, because of that, they believe that uh, Mattingly's line in the episode is a reference to this incident, or, or even his whole plot in the episode is a reference. But it was actually filmed uh, several months before Mattingly was benched. So it's really just another one of those times that The Simpsons predicted the future. So a lot of the misfortunes that the players found themselves in were decided a bit more randomly. Um, actually, Jose- could I go back on that yeah. one? I was going to say just most of my perception of George Steinbrenner comes from Seinfeld, from his off-camera yes. performance voiced by Larry David. Yes. I often wonder just, you know, how much the real George Steinbrenner was like the fictional portrayal of him on Seinfeld <laughs> there. I know he had a certain reputation for being very eccentric and demanding and maybe not quite all there, but... Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think that's a good characterization. And and also just very small C conservative. Definitely had his views about, um, you know, the way that the team should be run. It's almost a military style organization. And um, I'm not a Yankees fan, of course. <laughs> they're, uh, they're, they're, of course, a rival for us. But I've always found them to be kind of almost robotic as a franchise. And I think a lot of that is George Steinbrenner's influence even today. So a lot of the misfortunes that the players found themselves in um, were decided a bit more randomly. So... 
Jose Canseco's storyline, uh, for instance, initially had him ending up in bed or uh, a hot tub, <laughs> Bull Durham style, with Mrs. Krabappel. Huh. Uh, and his wife was evidently furious. Uh, apparently, there were already some rumors of infidelity swirling and uh, demanded that the storyline be changed into something else. And ultimately, they, they went for something that portrayed him heroically. So, of course, he ends up saving a baby, a cat a player piano, a washer and dryer, and I can't remember what else from a burning house. I, I liked how she said, you know, oh, no, the washer goes on the right. <laughs> the dryer <laughs> goes on the right. Dryer goes on the right. She's got standards, you know, even yeah. even with her house burning down. But, you know, like, okay, is it supposed to stay there? Like, are you building a new house around the existing furniture? Yes, man. So, so when you're saying, you know, his wife insisted <laughs> that that uh, plot point be changed, this would be the same wife for later where he, like, rammed his car into her car, I believe. <laughs> I believe you're correct on that. <laughs> clearly there were already some uh, troubles there. There's also an, a number of references to famous baseball movies in the episode. So um, Homer's Wonderbat is uh, very similar to a storyline from the movie The Natural. And the scene where he's rounding the bases and the stadium lights are just exploding, that's directly from The, nat- the Natural. Same thing with the, the lightning bolt striking the tree and he makes the bat. Oh, yeah. What was it? Wonder Boy, Wonder I think? Boy. Yeah. Wonder Boy, yep. I really like, I saw that film, uh, Robert Redford. Yeah, I I enjoyed it. It was a good movie. Yeah, it is a good one. And then the scene where the softball team is traveling from city to city by train is taken from uh, Pride of the Yankees as well. There's also a scene where Homer calls a shot to right field. And famously, that's uh, an homage to Babe Ruth. (laughs) But in, in Homer's case, he, I believe he called the shot to right field, but then hit the ball to left field over the left field fence and then revised where he was pointing. (laughs) (laughs) The song at the end of the episode, Talkin' Softball, was performed by a singer-songwriter named Terry Cashman, who's actually best known for the novelty song Talkin' Baseball, uh, Mm. which came out in the early 80s. It's kind of a kind of a kitschy song about old-timey baseball and, uh, you know, Mickey Mantle and all those guys. Um, But Cashman was brought in to parody his own song. And evidently now admits that he's probably more famous for this episode than for anything else. Mm. <laughs> and that he gets more requests for talking softball than he does for uh, for the original. When we've talked about this before, about some of the other songs in the show where uh, Jeff Martin has written the, the lyrics. Mm-hmm. This is one of my favorite parodies or adaptations. It's probably, you know, like. The best song I think they've done on The Simpsons. It's really it's catchy. There. It's up there for sure. And, and the, the the parody lyrics really capture the plot points of the show, and like everything in terms of what the outcome of the players there. So, yes, yeah. no, it's, it's a, one of my favorites. It's a classic, and um, probably better than the original. I don't know. The original has some weird lines. I did listen to the original just uh, before this podcast, and yeah, I have to say the the remix does or whatever the parody version is better. <laughs> Rock and roll was I'm being I'm sorry, born. my apologies to Terry Cashman. Sorry, Terry Cashman. Rock and roll was being born. Marijuana we would scorn. That's one of the <laughs> That's lines. One of the oh. lines. Yeah, I remember. <laughs> okay. Every time I hear that, that's a bit of a head scratcher. A few members of this core cast, including Harry Shearer and Julie Kavner, actually didn't care for the episode. You know, I mentioned earlier that it was a bit polarizing, but I think the the tone was not something that they necessarily appreciated. Um, and it it seems that they didn't find a lot of the jokes funny in particular the bit about the invisible sideburns that's actually one of my favorite jokes like when he just comes out and he has shaved the entire side of his hair <laughs> and it's just like do you even know what sideburns are i told you to get rid of those sideburns so i mean at that point mr burns had lost seven of his players to various accidents and such so he's down to <laughs> strawberry and mattingly and that's like 
what it takes for him to kick Mattingly out. <laughs> <laughs> you are down seven players and you're just going to kick one out because of hair. It's about principles, Matt. <laughs> you know, truthfully, Don Mattingly to this day, uh, I-, I believe still, is the manager of the Miami Marlins. So he has a, a managing career now. Mm. And every time I see him on TV, I can't help but think about his sideburns. Does he have them? No. No, no. Still doesn't? No. Still doesn't. I think about the time that Mr. Burns kicked him off the team. Does he keep um, the shaved side of his head, you know? Did he keep mm-hmm. that look? It's not that bad, I no. guess. No. He, he rocks something of a mullet, though, still. So there's oh, that, at least. Uh, and and I, Mike Sosha actually, was the manager of the, the Los Angeles Angels for quite a while. I, I believe that he, he is no longer, but he was there for quite a while. And another one that every time I, I would see... Uh, an Angels game on TV, and I would see Mike Sosha. Like this is just where my mind goes first, not his his lengthy career in and of itself. Mike Sosha's was my favorite of them because you know he actually wants to work. Yeah, like the way that he gets recruited there, you know, out when he's hunting there, he's like, oh, I'd rather have a, a blue collar job, you know, with a bunch of dials and pushing buttons and that. And like he actually has a solid work ethic. He didn't even want to join the softball team. Yeah, no, he just wanted to, you know. Clock in, do an honest day's work, clock out, you know, and and get away from the pressure of uh, Major League Baseball and his ultimate fate there is just, you know, He probably got the worst outcome, right? Like that, radiation like, poisoning, I mean, oh. Yeah, I mean, he's, like, Steve Sachs is pretty bad, too, but I think I, Mike Sosha's got to be the worst one. I'm going to have to disagree with you on his work ethic, because if he had a strong work ethic, he would have uh, cleaned up after the mess of nuclear waste. Carl told him it was okay. Yeah. Yeah, the pers- but the person with seniority said it was okay. So yeah, you don't question <laughs> Carl. All his years of experience, yeah, you don't question Carl. <laughs> I find I, it, it interesting though. Waste, I would want a second opinion. I find it interesting <laughs> though that he succumbed to radiation poisoning so quickly, considering like he was um, pulling that cart of radioactive waste. Just with Carl. Mm-hmm. Carl's been there for many years. <laughs> oh, I assume there so were... So exactly what was it? You know, Mike Scotia was able to, you know, succumb to radiation poisoning within a matter of a few days. Oh, but, I assume you know, everyone else more. has been working at the plant for years. They're fine. No, but I assume there's more. Uh, there were more mistakes that he made. It wasn't... That was just the one we saw. So that's why I question his work ethic. Because clearly <laughs> but, he made enough mistakes to get radiation poisoning in a matter of, what, two days? But what about that episode where Homer literally was sent to the basement to eat radioactive waste? <laughs> yeah. Like, he, he's still doing I, okay. He's still I kicking How about that episode yeah. where he managed to cause a meltdown in the testing truck where there was no radioactive <laughs> material? <laughs> Taylor, you mentioned uh, when Homer had to eat nuclear waste. Uh, I, I believe that should be a Simpsons drink. Should it not? I absolutely. So four <laughs> members of the Springfield nuclear power plant softball team ultimately made it into the baseball hall of fame in Cooperstown. And those would be Wade Boggs, Ozzy Smith, Ken Griffey Jr. And Homer Simpson was inducted into the baseball hall of fame in Cooperstown in 2017, 25 years after he won the title game with his pinch hit RBI. He, sent a prepared statement which read my record for eating hot dogs will never be broken i've been a fan for 40 years which is how long some games take and i can't wait for the (laughs) ceremony in canton ohio which for those who don't know is actually the home of the football hall of fame okay well with that matt how do you feel about some trivia well actually i was going to say there was one other baseball reference in this episode that you didn't bring up when uh well sorry after 
Homer's co-workers realize just how successful Homer is with his magic bat, and they all get their own version of a magic bat. And Carl, I believe he had like a piano leg. That was a reference to back in 1968 when Storm and Norman Cash of the uh, Detroit Tigers was going up against Nolan Ryan. And, he was throwing a no-hitter. Yeah, and, and he grabbed the table leg to uh, instead of a bat, saying, you know, I have about as much chance of hitting it with this as I do with a regular bat. <laughs> That is correct. You stole a little bit of my trivia thunder, but that's okay. Oh, <laughs> I'm so sorry. <laughs> no, that's okay. Well, I know you, the answer, you, expla- you definitely explained it better than I probably would have. Now, Taylor, what I remember about this episode is being one of the most controversial episodes ever done. And I'm going to ask you your stance on this because they raise an important issue that, that we should all consider. Are you ready? Now, take your time to think about it. Hit me. Pit the Elder or Lord Palmerston. No, Lord which, Palmerston. I concur. I would go with Lord Palmerston as well. Uh, Pitt the Elder. I mean, I know he died like 200 years before I was born, but he seemed very arrogant. He was like, you know, like he was one of those, like only I can fix this types. <laughs> and uh, Lord Palmerston, he was he was more progressive. But Pitt, can I can I Pitt the Elder gave us Pitt the Younger. Can I pick Pitt the Younger as my mm. choice? Or? I believe there there was only two choices. So uh, okay. no, because they had a, just a debate who was the greatest. Yeah, but I I'm saying well I'm saying out of the two British it's Prime between, Minister between the two. You know I'm, I'm going for Boris Johnson. <laughs> no, not really. Yeah, oh. he's everyone's. Favorite. If we can just choose any Prime Minister, well then you know I mean you open up like Winston Churchill could be your choice, but I uh-huh. I'm keeping it between the two. Oh. I, think, the I, I think Lord Churchill's Thomas. overrated. I think I speak for all of us when I say that we all worship at the altar of Margaret Thatcher. <laughs> 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 she's the reason that you can't go to the prime minister's office on downing street she's That's the one true. who closed it because yeah. she got sick of all the protesters i mean i don't blame her i wouldn't yeah. want people protesting outside yeah. she, my house either she had a lot <laughs> it's not great but she uh raised you say ironically as you lived in downtown ottawa <laughs> you know what i had protesters outside my house yeah. <laughs> i've well, had enough of it for, yeah, for a lifetime act, yeah act, i don't blame her <laughs> So after, after we, yeah, I'm like, oh, living in Ottawa, I understand. Yeah. Okay, so you were saying trivia. Trivia. I'm ready. Are you? Okay. I watched this episode. So you're I feel set. good. I, I feel did good. not. Feeling good? Feeling strong? I did not study for this, so. All right, well, it's okay. It shouldn't be about studying. It should be about what's ingrained <laughs> know, in you from a childhood of- That's of, why I didn't bother studying. A childhood spent in front of the television. Yeah, yeah. that's why I didn't bother studying. I, I, Kevin, you could have done something far more important with your life, but instead you watched television. That's right. You yeah. watched a children's cartoon show. That's right. So Taylor, I agree with everything you said. That in mind, Kevin, you're going down. <laughs> <laughs> Bring it. Okay. What was Homer making before he started crafting his Wonder Bat? Yes. His homemade football. His homemade football. What are the rules of softball that the umpire explains before the game, only for Wiggum to retort, hey, we know how to play softball? Specifically, I don't remember. (laughs) Uh, I know that every odd inning you take a beer. The fourth inning is the beer inning. Um, I don't know. I think you have a beer at every base, but... I don't really remember yeah, that. Like every that. base, you have to chug a beer or whatever. Yeah, okay. chug a beer at every base. Is chug a beer every odd inning, and yeah, fourth inning is the beer inning. All right, close. That's Adam? all I remember. Oh, I I thought that was correct. So okay, <laughs> there are four of them. You can't leave first until you chug a beer. Any man scoring has to chug a beer. You must chug a beer at the top of all odd numbered innings, and the oh. fourth inning is the beer inning. 
How hey, would you still be standing football. by the fourth inning? <laughs> that was my thought too. I, <laughs> I mean, that's that's quite a lot of alcohol for one game. Okay. Have you played well, in a beer league? Yes, you, absolutely. Is there as much drinking involved in the beer league you as know, there seemed to be in this episode? You know what? There's definitely a lot of drinking that goes on during beer league. Um, you know, as I said, you, you if you can find a player that knows how to catch a pop fly without spilling their beer, like that's someone you want to keep around. Um, <laughs> But there are no rules, thank goodness, about chugging a beer before you do anything. I would I not gonna, last. I, I was going to say, is there any like specific, you have to have at least one or two beers within the game? The, or? They don't call me Two Bear Taylor for nothing. Okay, name three of the players Mr. Burns originally wanted to bring in as ringers, but who had retired and uh, passed on. Matt. Jim Crichton, Cap Anson, and uh, Mordecai Brown. Yes. The other one that was mentioned by name is Onus Wagner. So Jim Creighton is, is considered um, kind of the first star of baseball. And he was the right fielder who'd been dead for yeah, 130, 130 years. <laughs> yeah. So I was reading something about this <laughs> How episode. Old is Mr. Burns? <laughs> I was reading something about this episode when uh, they were putting the episode together. And yeah, they had some crafted some line like, yes, the, the, the right fielder has been dead for over 100 years or whatever. And then maybe it was uh, John Schwartzwelder who had to go out and do the research of like, you know, who fits that criteria. <laughs> and this is, of course, back in the early 90s. So you didn't have the Internet available where you could just Google no. it. Yep. So, you know, good on him for coming up with all those players. You had to go to the public yeah, library. So, so I, I think when it, I because I, I, I looked at actually uh, f- freeze frame of the, the, the episode there, well, all the names. And they had like um, Shoeless Joe on there. Mm-hmm. Shoeless mm-hmm. Joe Jackson who was later played by Ray Liotta in Field of Dreams, which I think is probably one of the most iconic uh, baseball films, right? So, and who was banned for life from from Major League Baseball for participating in the Black Sox scandal where they threw the World Series. Oh, yeah, yeah. Although he's been kept out of the Hall of Fame, Shoeless Joe, and, you know, skill-wise, he should absolutely be there. Some say that, uh, you know, Babe Ruth modeled his swing after Shoeless Joe. Mm. Um and he was banned for life, but in my opinion, he's dead now. So hasn't he served out that? Hasn't he, hasn't he served out his time for that one? That's true for life. So as soon as he <laughs> died, it should be fine. It's kind of my take, but well. okay. What is the name of the owner of the Shelbyville nuclear plant? Oh, he's that Greek guy who was originally voiced by John Lovitz, but I don't. It, rem- it was John Lovitz, yeah. That was John he Lovitz. Was, no, no, he wasn't in that episode. But in the other okay. one, uh, he was voiced by John Lovitz oh, in the episode right. yes. where yes. Homer right. prevents him. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yes, yes, yes. Yes. And I, it starts with an A, and i sorry. I can't remember it. I just remember it's a really long Greek name. Would you like to phone a friend? Do I have any friends here who, who know it? <laughs> I don't know. Your brother's here. Is yeah, he but friend? he doesn't know it, I don't think. <laughs> he's, he's your friend. I can't really phone a friend because we're competing against each no, other it's here, true. right? So, yeah. I don't know. His, uh, I, I give up. His name is Aristotle Amadopoulos. Oh, wow. So eventually other players on the softball team bring in their own bats um, after Homer has such success with his own wonder bat. So we know of two objects that are used. Um, what are they? I think I yes. got this one because I brought up one before. Go was the uh, piano leg that uh, Carl had there. Uh, the other was a prosthetic leg. Yes. Yes. It was, it was his, sister's, sister's, his sister's, sister's wooden, wooden leg. leg. Yeah. Oh, my God. Um in the final team photo, there are two characters who are not members of the team. Who are they? Is Mr. Burns one of them? I would I would call him part of the team. He's yeah, the, he's the manager. Okay. Yeah. Was it like a photo bomb? I don't remember that. <laughs> <laughs> so they are Smithers and Lou. Oh. 
Lou the cop who's handcuffed to Steve Sachs. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> that's right. I forgot Are we that. sure that Smithers isn't part of the team? That like he's not like co-manager or something? That's a fair point. But nobody that's got true. the other one, so. Yeah. Yeah. So was Mr. Burns also the coach? Yeah. He I was guess coach, he was, yeah. Manager, coach, manager, owner. Yeah. No. yeah. <laughs> I don't know how much actual coaching he did. I'd call him a manager. Yeah. But I don't think they had a coach, so yeah. In a way, well, he, he was, was a coach. coach. At yeah. the end, he had he had all the signals, so it's like, oh, I yeah. guess he's the coach. But yeah. then, until then, he didn't see he didn't seem like the coach. I mean, like for example, when he tells Daryl Strawberry to hit a home run, and he does yeah. it, I, I'd yeah. say he's the coach, right? And he also he also was able to <laughs> you, pull Strawberry, Strawberry hit a home run. He also pulled Daryl Strawberry like at the last game there. So mm-hmm. yes, it's called playing the percentages. It's what good managers do to win ball games. Oh, he did say manager there. <laughs> so that's why. Like, are you a co- Do you have a coach? Did they ever have a coach? Okay. Um, what number are we on anyway? Oh, I didn't number them. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Somebody likes to play dangerously. I really do. I like to play fast and loose. Um, speaking of which, I thought I would institute a lightning round. So I'm going to name the major leaguer, and you must tell me what misfortune befell them. Okay. Okay. Ozzy Smith. Dropped off the face of the planet. Wade Boggs. Uh, oh, no. <laughs> yeah, I don't remember what happened to Wade Boggs. He was knocked out by Barney in, during the debate over oh, England's the, oh, greatest yeah, prime okay, minister. Okay. Oh, that was Boggs. Okay. <laughs> uh, Roger Clemens. Uh, clucked like a chicken. Don Mattingly. Sideburns. Yeah. Jose Canseco. Um, the, he was rescuing all the furniture the fire, from that yeah, house on fire. Yeah, yeah. Ken Griffey Jr. Um, Giganticism. Mike Sosha. Uh, Radiation poisoning. Radiation poisoning. Steve Sachs. Arrested. Arrested. For For every crime in New York York City. City. (laughs) Every unsolved crime in New York City. (laughs) Facing six life sentences, I believe. (laughs) And finally, Daryl Strawberry. Well, nothing. He played. Except, you know, he was benched. He was was benched benched at the end, yeah. That is correct. Nothing. He made it to the game. Why was Wade Boggs so hard to remember? I don't know, because we even talked about it. We remember the scene. I just, I don't remember him being the player, I guess. Uh. Okay. Well, that was was our first time doing a lightning round. That was fun. Yeah. Yeah, Well, except, you know, I would have been better if Wade Boggs came close to the end. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So, um, I guess that wraps up this episode about, uh, you know, the the greatest game ever played, or so they say, of Beer League Softball. All right. Well, thanks, everybody, for listening to this episode of Bo's Cavern about Homer at the Bat. Please like, rate, and subscribe on the platform of your choice. I am Taylor Mitchell. He's Matt LaFrance. Kevin Ballantyne is our esteemed producer. Our effervescent mixologist, Adam LaFrance. Remember to like, rate, and subscribe, and we'll see you all at the ballpark. See you next time. We're talking softball from Maine to San Diego. Talking softball, Mattingly and Canseco, Ken Griffey's grotesquely swollen jaw, Steve Sachs and his running with the law. We're talking Homer, Ozzy and the straw.